Usually look at several of the appearances of the Lord uh, and to whom he appeared to, right? And l- l- let me just throw a thought into your mind as we begin. Um, the Lord appeared first to Mary, Mary Magdalene, and then he appeared to the other women, and then he appeared to the disciples uh, on the Emmaus Road, and the order of it seems strange. Who he appeared a little bit strange. Now, I'm not going to be able to give you definitive answers, but I'm going to give you an interesting answer tonight uh, as to why and how he was revealing himself uh, to these people and put some thoughts in your mind. All right, John chapter 20, we'll we'll pray before we begin. Father in heaven, would you bless us tonight as we look to your word? Lord, help us. Uh, We desperately need your help. We need to understand, Lord, what it is that you have for us, and we need to understand, Lord, that you have a means and a reason and a why for everything. And, oh, Lord, help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, John chapter 20 and verse 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away uh, from the sepulcher. Now, she wasn't on her own, but she uh, to, to the to the sepulcher and sees the stone taken away. And... Um, so she runs, and she comes to Peter. Sorry, one second. She runs, and she comes to Peter, and she tells Peter what's going on. Uh, taking away the Lord out of the know not where they have laid him. Right, Peter therefore went, and that other disciple, and came. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes, lying yet went he not in. Now, who's, who's the disciple that he's talking about there? When he talks about Peter, and who's he talking about? This is John. John's writing this book. He doesn't name himself uh, in this book. He, he's writing this book. And he, stooping down, looking in, saw the linen clothes, lying yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter, following him, and went into the sepulchre, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed." So the first account we have of somebody believing the resurrection is John. John saw and he believed. He's the first first account of someone believing. John believes before he actually sees, which is pretty powerful. The evidence is the the stone rolled back and and what's in the tomb. Um. Verse 9, for as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Now, why did they know not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead? Talk to me. Come on, we'll, we'll try and tease it out together. Why did they know not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead? Had Jesus told them he was going to rise again from the dead? Yeah, he had, hadn't he? He had told them. He had told them on numerous by this time occasions. Remember, in Matthew chapter 16, when he first begins to tell them that, Peter says, no way. Not going to happen. Not while I am around. And Jesus says to to Peter, get get thee behind me, Satan. But Peter doesn't get the message, right? Now, why do you think they weren't getting the message? Why do you think they knew not the scripture? What? They didn't want to believe that. Now, why didn't they want to believe that? 
They had a, yeah, they had a different plan in their minds. They were going to be uh, 12, <clears throat> sitting on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. It was coming any day, and they didn't really envisage a 2,000-year uh, gap uh, in that time. They wanted it right then. They thought it was coming right then. They were, they were all ready for it right there and then. They were expecting it to happen. And <clears throat> also remember this, that if you walked with Jesus, you would never expect anyone to best him. Right? Now think about it, right? <clears throat> I mean, I'm not comparing Jesus to Superman, not, <clears throat> not, not in a fit. But when you look at a Superman movie and you see Superman up against the wall with a kryptonite in his face, what do you think? He's Superman. He'll get out of it somehow. And he always does, because that's what the films are about, isn't it? Uh, he always gets out of it. And you, know, and you always just expect, because why? Because you've seen other Superman films and you've seen how Superman always gets out of it. Now, if you had walked with Jesus, he would have left your mouth wide open with the things he did to, to, <clears throat> to actually right situations that were wrong. Imagine you're in the midst of a storm, and you're a fisherman, and you know what it's like to be in a sea, and you know when, when the boat fills with water, the next thing is you're going down, and, and you're concerned for your life. And Jesus says, peace, be still, and the whole sea goes, boom, quiet. Imagine when, when the Pharisees come and they ask those hard questions, and Jesus so easily fences with them and puts them to flight. I mean, if you're one of the disciples, what you're going to be doing is you're going to say, yeah, he did it again, look at that. That's just, that's just what's going to go through your mind. And you're expecting every time something comes up, he's got an answer for it, he's got a way out of it. There were times even when they were going to stone him and he just walked him through their midst and walked away. So let's be fair to the disciples. They had what we don't have. They had the personal experience of the reality of the power of the living God unveiled for them time and time again. They did not expect that anyone was going to take him and put him to death. That did not compute for them. That did not enter into it. They were not expecting it. They were not thinking that was going to happen. Now, the problem with that is this. He was telling them it was going to happen. In fact, he kept telling them it was going to happen. He told them over and over again, and he's the master teacher, but because it didn't compute, they didn't believe his words. They thought, oh, yeah, we'll see. Have you ever done that with God? You have, haven't you? We'll see. God shows you something in his word. God speaks to you and tells you something, and you say, okay, ah, yeah, we'll see. This is a really dangerous thing to do. Do you know what that decision is? That decision is a decision of unbelief. Now, Jesus is going to reveal himself to these guys, but do you know, he's going to fix their unbelief as well. Because they, they've got a problem. Now, you see, here's the thing. When you're dealing with Jesus, you're dealing with somebody who is working all the angles at the same time. So he's got three years. He's teaching these guys, right? Uh, these 12 guys. He's teaching uh, his disciples how to launch his kingdom in the world. And you, you know what? We may, we, we may look at those guys and think, you know what? Uh, they were pretty lame. But do you know that what he wanted them to do succeeded? How do you know? Well, look, here you are, 2,000 years later, celebrating the resurrection. It worked. You know, if you and I had been around Jesus, we would have said, listen, it's too early to go. 
you need you need to buckle down. These guys don't get it. They're, they're not going to get it. You need to buckle down and stay with the program of teaching and training. They're way from being the place where they're ready uh, <clears throat> to actually do this. You, you need to buckle down and stay with them for years, but he, he didn't. He was, going to, he was going to work with them. He was going to launch them into it, imperfect as they were. And do you know what you're going to see for them over and over again is because they are totally unprepared for what's being asked of them, they keep depending on him. <clears throat> they keep depending upon him, and they keep coming back to him. But that's, that, that's, that's a different story altogether. But you know what? That Christianity, we always look at it, we want it to be perfect, don't we? Perfect church, perfect people, perfect pastor, perfect music, perfect everything. And it's never quite perfect. In fact, very often as you look at Christianity, it seems like it's a very weak thing. Seems like it's not got it together, like it's not all together the way it should be. And you know what? I think that was the plan. The plan was not that we be a bunch of people who got it all together. And then when we've got it all together, we go from our place of strength into evangelizing the world and we reach the world and we show the world how to do it. No, the plan was that from our weakness, we would depend upon him and he would do great and amazing things through us. Right? Now back to our story here, though. These guys were not expecting him to die, so they didn't hear him. They didn't hear what he was saying. They said, yeah, never going to happen, though. He's Jesus. He'll, he has a way out of it. You know, I'm sure it's, at some point in this whole thing, uh, his disciples were looking at the situation. They said, he's going to get down off that cross now. Man, is he going to get down. He's going to wipe their eyes right now. He's gonna, I'm sure some of the guys were thinking, expecting him to do that. Because they just didn't expect. It was inconceivable that Jesus, who was totally in charge of every situation, should all of a sudden be at the mercy. And he was at the mercy. What they didn't realize was it was the plan. And he put himself at their mercy. They didn't get, they should have listened to him. We should listen to him more. We should listen to what he's saying to us more. We should take what he says to us at face value. And just say yes to it, rather than trying to wrestle with it and fight with it. Right? <clears throat> okay, uh, back to our text here. <clears throat> so <clears throat> he reveals himself. He hasn't revealed himself to anybody yet, but John is the first, it seems, uh, to believe, right? Uh, <clears throat> then Mary Magdalene and the other women report the, to the apostles, and Peter and John go visit the tomb, uh, and John believes. And now you've got the first appearance coming up here. Like the first appearance of this is the first time since he came, since he resurrected from the tomb, that he appears to somebody. Look <clears throat> in verse 11. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher, weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And see two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Now, why did she know not that it was Jesus? Right? Because he's, he's, first of all, he's in a glorified body. And secondly, he purposefully didn't have people recognize him instantly. 
On the road to Emmaus, he hid himself from them. He walked with them, but he hid himself from them purposefully. You see, he's not looking for them just to believe because they see physically. He's looking for people to have faith. He's looking for people to believe. Uh, Verse 15, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? That's a strange question for him to ask. Who are you you looking for? He knew why she was weeping outside the tomb. Isn't that a strange question for him to ask? She supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast, hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say master. What does she recognize? She recognizes when he calls her name. Instantly she recognizes. Now, let's talk about Mary for a second. All right? First of all, let me say a couple of things about Mary. Mary is not the woman who was taken in adultery. In fact, there's no reason for putting any immorality on Mary at all. She had seven devils cast out of her. Right? It's highly, highly unlikely that she was able to function in the world at all uh, with seven devils uh, inside her. Uh, <clears throat> but she, he did cast seven devils out of her because he tells us uh, that to her. And <clears throat> I would imagine, and it does seem from the account, because she's there at the cross, you know, she's now at the tomb, Waiting, yes, she's gone with the other ladies. They've gone back, and, and she's back at the tomb crying. Somehow, some way, this dear lady loved the Savior. Probably loved her a little more than the others. Now, I don't know that you can say that for sure, right? I'm just saying she's there, she's weeping. There's a definite relationship between them. And by the way, you, 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 you may have seen the rock music, and we won't even give it its name, right? And uh, that, that, that creates something wrong between Jesus and Mary Magdalene. Never happened. Never, ever happened. If that happened, do you know that you and I are on our way to hell today? Because he was perfect. He was absolutely perfect, but there is a relationship here between Mary and him, and she's having such a hard time with this. And she's weeping. Now, <clears throat> let me say this to you. Do you know that God is not un, un, undisturbed by your tears? Now, it's not that if you cry about it long enough and hard enough, he's going to give you what, you what you want. That's not the truth either. But do you know that God cares about how you feel? In fact, in Hebrews, it tells us that we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. If you were to put that in a positive, you would say, we have a high priest who can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He can actually be t- He knows what it feels like to be you. He knows what it feels like to walk in your shoes, and he cares. Let us, come there, let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain help in time of need. Jesus cares what it feels like to be you. And he says, come to me, I will help you. So here we have Mary, and she's crying, and she's looking for her Lord, and we have Jesus moved with compassion. And that's definitely a part of it here. Jesus moved with compassion. And this, there's, <clears throat> there's a relationship here. There's a, uh, there's a, a love for the Savior that, that, that got rid of seven demons for her. 
and he has compassion on her in her pain, in her agony. Right? Now, you might say this to me and say, well, didn't his mother care more? Well, and I think, you know, you probably could say that she did. Right? <clears throat> and um, so I, 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 we, we can't build this huge case out of this thing that because Mary is crying, but we do have this thing that she's crying, she loves him, and he reveals himself to her. I want to throw something else into the picture for you, though, here. Uh, one, one commentator I read said this. He said, uh, and it's a very interesting parallel, right? Uh, sin came into the world in a garden through a woman. Okay, the first Adam and, uh, and Eve, his wife, were the ones that brought sin into the world. And now that the, the, the curse has been broken... Now, you're going to say, how is it broken? We still live in the curse. Well, the reality is uh, Jesus did break the curse. Uh, we still live with the effects of it, but there's coming a day when it's going to be gone completely. Uh, Satan's power was broken at the cross completely. Between the cross and the resurrection, Satan's power was broken. And, and he said this, he said, and a woman in a garden gets the first viewing of the Savior who's broken the curse. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? That's an interesting picture there, right? Um, everything has not changed, but you know what? The reality, the depths of things are changed, right? <clears throat> but Mary gets to see him. Now, I want you to notice about Mary. When Mary sees him, she doesn't have any problem believing. She's not, she's not questioning it. She has no problem believing. She's there. She's ready. She doesn't, doesn't understand, doesn't know. Now, I want you to keep that in mind because... What we're going to see is that the faith issue is a real important issue in this who gets revealed to. This faith issue, and this faith issue is always an issue, and this is the issue that Jesus is now working with them. And the faith is not this fuzzy feeling about Jesus, because they all had fuzzy feelings about him at this stage. The faith is believing his word believing what he said, right? <clears throat> okay, I'm going to breeze through some stuff because I don't, I don't want to keep you here all night, right? Um, <clears throat> so Mary, Mary gets the first revelation. Uh, the second revelation is to the other women. Matthew 28, 9 and 10 says, And as they went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid, Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. He said, don't be afraid. Go tell them, uh, and there shall they see me. Right? <clears throat> um, after that, some of the guards report to the Jewish believers. And then look in Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. And we're starting at verse 13. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near them, near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. 
Now, let me ask a question here. <clears throat> you don't have to answer. I want you to think about it, right? Why didn't he just go and land in the room and say, guys, wake up, you dopes. I, am a, I have arisen. I am here. Why didn't he just go, go and announce himself to them? I think we're going to see why in this little passage here. I think we want to see what he's doing. He's, he's interested in much more than proving the resurrection to them. He's interested in building their faith. And their faith is in the written word or the spoken word at this point. Their faith is supposed to be in the word. Do you know that your faith is supposed to be based on the word of God? I think we get a fuzzy notion sometimes about faith that it's a feeling. No, your faith is actually... Trusting that God is who he said he is. Every time I worry, I mistrust God for being who he said he was. Every time I do something that God tells me not to do, I distrust the word of God and think, you know what, it's not true, I have to do this. And God wants us to come to a place where we're sweetly and simply trusting in his word. Now watch. Um, And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which have come to pass there in these days? You know what? The first thing that went viral was, was Lazarus. The second thing that went viral was the crucifixion of Jesus. Remember, it wasn't known to everybody as it was happening. Uh, that's why the Pharisees did it during the night, and they brought him to, uh, to, to Pilate and so on. And so what happened is he was crucified. There was an earthquake. The dead uh, <clears throat> rose up and walked. The, uh, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. Uh, questions were asked, and everybody found out, you know what he, they've done? They had Jesus crucified. And so uh, Jerusalem is aghast. A large portion of it, at least during this Passover feast, is aghast with what they've done with Jesus because he was the miracle worker. He's the one that raised up Lazarus from the dead. There's, there's all kinds of uh, toing and froing going on in Jerusalem, and everybody knows about this thing by this point. Um, <clears throat> so one of them says, what? Don't you know? Haven't you heard? Everybody else has heard, right? Verse 19, And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were were done. And yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them... which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it, even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Now look what Jesus says to them in verse 25. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Now, these guys are struggling in deep grief and confusion. And Jesus nails them. He says they are fools and they are slow of heart to believe. He nails them for not believing. 
He nails them for not trusting. He doesn't say to them, oh, guys, 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 you don't get it, do you? Let me show you. He actually nails them. He says, you're fools and you're slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have said. Now, and, and, and here's what he's going to do. He could say, look, it's me. Case closed, couldn't he? But he doesn't. He hides himself from them. And what he does is he wants to show them from the scriptures. Look at the next verse. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Right, now let me throw you some verses out here, right? <clears throat> I want you to ask me, I want you to, uh, I want you to think about these verses, and um, <clears throat> could these verses be in the New Testament or in the Old Testament, right? <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Who's that talking about? Judas. Is it? only thing is, it's written a thousand years before Judas was ever born. That's Psalm 22, sorry, Psalm 41, verse 9. They had just seen that happen. Jesus had lifted up the sop and offered it to Judas, and Judas had gotten up and walked out and sold him for 30 pieces of silver. They had seen scripture fulfilled before their eyes, but they weren't believing. Right now, listen. Don't look back at the at the um, apostles and say, "Yeah, they they were they were so dope, such dopes. They, they never got it because we're the same. We're the same. We miss it. You miss it. I miss it. We need to actually believe what we're reading and not just look at it and um, create some idea about it. We need to believe what we're reading. Right? Let me give you another verse. Therefore will I divide with him a, por- a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Who's that talking about? Jesus. 700 years before, written by Isaiah. In fact, if you go through Isaiah 53, the person who wrote Isaiah 53 could have been sitting at the foot of the cross. It's just absolutely incredible. These men have read these verses, but they've never tied it together. They've never actually believed them, right? Um, For dogs have compassed me about. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. Okay, who are they talking about there? Pierce my hands and my feet? Obviously, Jesus. Who are the dogs? Well, they're the Roman soldiers. Dogs have compassed him about. But again, written a thousand years before Jesus. Now, understand this, that these people he's talking to have just seen the fulfillment of this prophecy. It's not like it was a few weeks beforehand when this was maybe going to happen someday farther down the road. They've actually seen in the last few days Scripture fulfilled before their eyes. And he wants them to believe it. Right? Um, they gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Who's that talking about? Jesus. 
on the cross. Psalm 69, verse 21, a thousand years uh, before. Uh, and I will pour out upon the house of David, upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Who is that talking about? By the way, that's one for the Jews of this day to actually uh, deal with it. Zechariah 12, verse 10. You know, if they'll actually let the pierce, the, 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 the idea of being pierced there speak, they'll begin to understand who it is. Right? <clears throat> um, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. That's Psalms 16, verse 10. Now, <laughs> what he did was he started way back with Moses and he worked them all through the scripture, showing them indisputably that all that has happened that weekend was supposed to happen, had to happen, because it was written in Scripture. Do you know their problem? Their problem was they didn't believe the Bible. That's, that's their problem. Do you, know the, do, you, do you know the Pharisees' problem? Their problem was they didn't believe the Bible. They got it all contorted with their own ideas and their own thinking and their own thoughts, and they didn't believe the Bible. And because they didn't believe the Bible, they couldn't see the reality of what was happening before them. And Jesus had to fix it for the disciples. There was no point in him just going, look, it's me. That wasn't going to help them. They were still going to be in the same puddle of unbelief because they needed to actually see the reality of the Scripture. Now, I don't know how all this works, but I think some of those ladies actually listened to Jesus. I, I think that Mary of Bethany, Lazarus' sister, she listened. Because two days before he was buried, she broke the alabaster box and poured the ointment all over him and anointed him for his burial. She knew she didn't have long, and if she was going to do something for him, it had to be now. Because he was saying, I'm going to die. And I think somehow, some of those ladies actually believed. But you know what, guys? We can be a bit thick sometimes, can't we? We can have a harder time actually giving in and believing. And remember, believing is not a case of you and I uh, having a feeling. It's a case of you and I choosing to trust what he said. Choosing just simply to trust what he said. To trust what he said about himself. It's a case of you and I just taking this book and saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to believe every word of it. I'm going to believe all of it. I'm going to, as you show me something, Lord, I'm going to act on it. I'm not going to debate or question or try and fit it in with my circumstances or try and fit it in with my plans or, or try and fit it in with my hopes and my dreams, Lord. I'm just going to take it as being true. And I'm going to do it. Now, isn't that simple? Isn't that not very simple? We're not very good at it. The disciples weren't very good at it. And we're not very good at it. The whole nation of Israel wasn't very good at it because they had, they had all that prophecy fulfilled in one day in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they missed it. And they missed it because they had another plan. You see, <clears throat> these guys couldn't believe because we had thought we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today's the third day since these things were, do, were, were done. What is it that you're trusting in 
that causes you to look at Scripture and say, nah, couldn't be. Because it doesn't square up with my life. What about the area of sin? Is there sin that you do regularly and you look at Scripture and you say, I know it says I shouldn't do it, but that doesn't work with my life. You know what you're doing? You're doing exactly what they did. I, I, listen, it has to be this way because this is the way I feel. What about your plans for your life? Listen, you can have great plans, for, grand plans for your life. It's my life. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do my own thing. What if God steps in and he says, I've got a whole different plan for your life? And you say, no, 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 it's got to be this because I've planned and I've done and I've... No. You know what? You've got to believe him. And you've got to do it his way. Whatever area of your life truth touches off and you actually reject truth in favor of what you want, do you know what you invite into your life? Blindness. Blindness. Do you know the Pharisees and the chief priests stood at the foot of the cross and they could not, would not believe that he was their Messiah. And when he rose from the dead, they put it out that it was a lie. And when miracles were done in his name, they tried to squash it. Because they refused to believe their own scripture. Now, I don't think I'm so much better than any of them. And I don't think you are either. And you know what I need to do? I need to just get real simple about the whole thing and say, Lord, whatever you say is true, that's what I'm going with. 100%, Lord, help me. Because the word of God is my guide in life, and the word of God is your guide in life. The word of God is the only thing that's going to be your guide. So back to our original question, and I really don't have an answer for you. Why did he reveal himself? To the ladies first? I'm not sure. But I think that the heart of it was faith. I think somehow they believed his word. Somehow they actually believed what he said about himself. And I think his disciples, his men, his world-changing little band... I think they were having a hard time. So he had to withhold and he had to actually press them and bring them to faith in his word before he could give them the experience of faith by revealing himself. You know what? You and I could save ourselves a whole lot of bother in life. A whole lot of bother in life. If we would just believe the word. And here's the thing. You know, the Holy Spirit's in charge of the, the word in our lives. As we read it, he's able to take and interpret it and apply it in your life and in my life. The Holy And you know what, what the amazing thing is? The Holy Spirit knows exactly what I need, and he's able to show me. The doctrine's called the doctrine of illumination, where he illumines, where he lights it up. And he's able to do exactly the same in your life. 
And I don't go wrong by not believing what he's illumining for you, illumining for you. I go wrong when I'm not believing what he's actually illumining for me. So here's a question for you. What is he showing you that you're struggling with doing? What is the Holy Spirit showing you that you're struggling with doing? Some of you are saying in your head, well, you know what, if I did that, that would just, uh, that would wreck me, that would destroy my life, that, that, that would ruin everything. I, I can't do that. You're opening the door to blindness. But if you, on the other hand, will say, okay, Lord, that's what you want. That's what truth is. I want it to, Lord, help me. And you will start making steps of faith in doing truth. Your eyes will open wide to the reality that he has for you. And God has great things for everybody in this room. But they're never going to be found apart from faith. It's the only way to find them. It's the only way to see them. How do you know that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? I could give you proof after proof after proof tonight, but you know what? It wouldn't prove it for you. You know how you know? Because you've believed the word, and having believed the word, you've seen the reality of, and you know, don't you? And you see, that's what he wants for you to have. He wants you to believe the word, and then he wants you to see the reality of it. He wants you to believe and see, believe and see, believe. That's how you grow. That's how you grow. You grow closer to him as you believe and see. But as soon as you stop trusting the word, what happens is you put a roadblock in your own growth. So look, as far as the disciples are concerned, let's not be like them. You say, how do you mean? We got the Holy Spirit. Let's make a commitment to the Lord. Lord, whatever you show me from your word, what I'm going to do, I'm not going to play with it. I'm not going to fight with it. I'm not going to fight with you, Lord. I'm not going to try and change your mind. Whatever you show me from the word, that's what I'm going to do. You know, life will get real simple. And life will get blessed if we can do that. Let's stand for prayer. I'm going to give you a moment to do business with God on this one. And Aline, if you would play quietly for us, I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to give you a moment to talk to God on this one. It's simple. It's straightforward. Lord, I want your word. I want its truth. And I want to obey it. And that thing that's niggling at you right now, you need to make a decision to say yes and do it. Father in heaven, would you bless us now? Lord, we are your people. We thank you, Lord, for the great story of the resurrection. We thank you for the blessing, Lord, of uh, how you revealed yourself to people. And, Lord, I do pray that you would help us tonight, Lord, to settle once and for all in our hearts that we will obey the word. We will do exactly what you tell us to do in Jesus' name. Between you and God, as God is speaking to you, respond to him. Make a commitment. It counts.